Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, we take a look for our second week in a row at some of the difficult stories, narratives, and verses in the Bible. I don't claim to have all the answers about these, but I do have some alternative, in some cases, ideas about what the explanations might be. I would also like to mention that I've had a couple of wonderfully fascinating dialogues via email with some people who, uh, in one case, agreed with, and in another case, disagreed with my discussion about Noah's flood. I really enjoy those kinds of discussions. For me, it isn't whether I'm right or wrong. It's the information and the evidence and thinking about these things that will help us move line upon line, precept upon precept to try to come to a consensus, hopefully, in in the future about some of these things. My mother passed away many years ago, and I loved her very, very much. She was quite wise. She had a degree in biology from the University of Utah. And when I would bring up what were apparent difficulties in the Bible and difficulties and inconsistencies, at least seeming inconsistencies between science and religion, she would say, don't worry about those things, because true science and true religion do not conflict with each other. And I always felt like that was true. It rang true to me, and I hope it rings true for you. So if we have scientific information that somehow doesn't quite work out with the way you view things religiously, that's okay. Maybe over time, the things you believe about some aspect of religion may need to be adjusted, or maybe science will be adjusted. That happens quite often, as a matter of fact. So let's jump into some of these verses. First of all, I love this one. This is one of the big ones, Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish. The Bible story actually says large fish, but typically Jewish history and lore says that this was a whale that swallowed Jonah. Now, a couple of observations. Jonah was apparently swallowed by a whale in connection with his lack of desire to go to Nineveh to tell the people there to repent. And... A couple of questions would naturally occur. First one is, it says in the narrative that Jonah was inside the whale for three days. Well, 
how would Jonah know that? Uh, I doubt he had a wristwatch. I don't think he could see the sun go up and down. How long was he inside the big fish or, or the whale? Some may say, well, God told him how long. I, maybe. Um, that's, that's another possibility. I have a thought about this story. And many people who hear this say, this just never happened. This is a made-up story. It's an allegory. It might be. It might be an allegory. It might be a story to talk about disobeying God and where it gets you. It might be an allegory about repentance and about how Nineveh was saved. But there's a fascinating story that happened just last year. New York Post, June 12th, 2021. Here is one of the headlines. Quote, Cape Cod lobsterman swallowed by whale also survived deadly Costa Rica plane crash in 2001. Now, for our purposes, we don't care much about the Costa Rica plane crash. We care about Cape Cod lobsterman swallowed by a whale. What it says, you can look it up, you can find this article, was that there was a lobster diver by the name of Michael Packard. And he was eaten alive by a whale off Cape Cod. And what happened was that apparently this whale, for whatever reason, swallowed him alive. This article was picked up to show that it's not kind of a phony, silly one in the Philly Voice News of June 12th, 2021. And a number of other papers uh, picked it up. There were also news broadcasts and interviews with this man and photographs of him. This Philly Voice News has a heading that says, quote, New England man swallowed by whale lives to tell the tale. Close quote. The gist of it was that while he was diving... On a Friday, uh, what happened was that there was a large, massive humpback whale that swallowed Michael Packard, age 56. And he had a number of soft tissue injuries as a result of this. But what happened was that after he was swallowed, he thought, this is it. I'm going to die. It's all over. He wasn't even sure what had swallowed him, but he thought at first, well, it might be a great white shark, but he didn't feel any teeth. And then he thought it must be a whale. He thought I'm done for. He struggled around inside the whale. And finally, he was spit out after the whale came back to the surface. Now, this is reminiscent of what was described in the story about Jonah. This whale or big fish spits him out, regurgitates him up on the shore, up on the beach. This is what happened to this man. 
Now, the major difference between what happened in the Jonah narrative in the Bible and what happens here is that the man said he was probably in the whale for maybe 30, 40 seconds or minutes, something like that. Now, his story is also verified by the people who were on the boat that were taking care of him as uh, a lobsterman. And they saw the whale regurgitate him after it came up to the surface. So this is a verified thing. Uh, It was also picked up, I mentioned by many other papers, the Huffington Post, for example, was one of the other ones that picked it up. What does this say? Well, I don't know what it says. I think it says that it's possible for somebody to be swallowed by a whale and live to tell the story about it. I think it's also interesting that the three days in the whale might not be a literal thing. Maybe it's just a really long period of time for Jonah that made him afraid and made him pray. You have 40 days and 40 nights as a description in the Bible of a long period of time. Three days and three nights comes also often in many stories in the Bible, and it means a shorter period of time, but long enough for for certain things, more than an instant. Was Jonah swallowed by a whale? Possibly. Apparently, it's happened before, even as recently as 2021. Did it really happen to Jonah, or is this a story, an allegory, something akin to the parables that Jesus taught. I will leave that for you to decide. But those who say it's absolutely impossible, I think, have to read a number of newspapers from 2021. When we come back, more about how to possibly understand some of the difficult passages from the Bible. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you have a question or comment about this or any other broadcast, be in touch. Send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com. Martinstanner at gmail.com. I'll be happy to to respond. We just got finished discussing Jonah and the whale. Let's talk about a few other ones and how we might be able to resolve them. One of the fascinating things is how long is the creation? In the beginning of Genesis, it talks about seven days. Now, there are people that try to get around seven 24-hour periods of time by saying, well, a day means in other contexts in the Old Testament, an indeterminate period of time. That could be true for Genesis, except that the Genesis narrative talks about the evening and the morning being a day. And it goes on again and says the evening and the morning were the second day and the third day. 
and so on and so forth. So this seems to be referring to seven 24-hour periods of time, which to me makes the Genesis account look more like a story that is not, at least by its time frame, accurate. We also know that the order of creation is just implausible. Now, the Genesis account has certainly been reworked many, many, many times. Whatever the original account looked like as written by Moses or others has certainly been altered. But we know that certainly the earth and light changing from dark to light, meaning a day, could not happen before the sun, moon, and stars were formed. You've got to have the universe and the sun, the moon, and the stars at the time the earth is, is created. Well, I guess the moon and the earth are approximately the same, the same age. Uh, but at any rate, don't take Genesis too literally. Take it as a metaphor for the idea that God is in charge, at least the seven-day creation period, and that God is looking over us and has created the world for humans and for their good and for their learning and for their knowledge. Let's take a look at another fascinating one. And, and we we will never have time to get through all the difficult stories of the Bible in just a few. If you have one of your own that is troubling for you or you would like information about, feel free to ask in an email. Again, martinstanner at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond to your question about a difficult Bible passage for you. Numbers chapter 22. In Numbers chapter 22, you have this fascinating story about a talking donkey. And this is the one that skeptics bring up as saying, the Bible's ridiculous, you can't believe it, how can you have a talking donkey. Balaam, in Numbers chapter 22, has this fascinating encounter. Apparently, his donkey can see this angel in front of him on the path, but Balaam can't. And finally, the donkey talks to him. Balaam doesn't even seem to be surprised. Uh, The gist of what the conversation is, is is something along the lines of, you've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now, he says to the donkey. And then the donkey replies, well, I'm your donkey. You've always, who you've always ridden. And I'm not in the habit of doing bad things to you. That's, that's kind of the gist of it. And then the angel appears and tells Balaam what's going on, that the donkey saw him and turned away. Now, How does one explain that? I wondered about this for many, many years, and then one explanation is the story is made up. And it's a story, if made up, that one has to wonder about what the purpose of it might be. Another potential explanation of it is that it is similar to the experiences that I've heard about with animal rescues and with near-death experiences. 
I've interviewed a number of people who have had near-death experiences during which they were able to, I guess the best way to describe it might be telepathically communicate with their animals. In every case that I've heard about this, it was a dog. I haven't heard about communicating with donkeys, but with dogs, one man that I interviewed and, and have talked to had a dog who was able to help him escape from a burning home. And another man who died in the hospital and was able to see his dog on the other side. And his dog essentially told him, it's so good to see you again. Let's play, which kind of sounds like what a dog would say. I'm not sure how you would like to resolve the story about Balaam and his donkey, but these are a couple of different ways. Here's another story in the Bible that is quite interesting. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 52, it tells us that upon Jesus' resurrection, quote, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people, close quote. I've heard skeptics say, oh, well, where are these people now? If they were resurrected, they should still be around and alive. And my response to that would be, we have a number of different resurrection accounts, not just in Matthew chapter 27, verse 52. We also have the resurrection of Jesus. We have Peter, James, and John. We have in Latter-day Saint uh, history, Moroni. We have a number of other examples of resurrections of people who had died. And in all of those cases, the individual who is resurrected eventually goes into heaven. And so my presumption here is that the people who resurrected Matthew chapter 27, verse 52, or who are referenced there, did not remain forever. Perhaps they saw some relatives, but eventually they went to heaven. We have time for perhaps one more, and this is a, a fascinating one. There is a story that we find in Genesis. It talks about the sons of God seeing the daughters of men on earth and of coming down and bearing children with them. And this is a fascinating tale. And if you look at the book of Enoch, it talks about them being giants among men. And it talks about how they were extraordinarily tall, hundreds of feet tall. And this is almost certainly some kind of an exaggeration. I just don't see any way that you could have people be hundreds of feet tall. What this probably references and what we would get out of the Joseph Smith translation and some others is that this was a way of explaining or describing people who had incredible attributes, who were 
the most impressive and brilliant among people. And they were called the Nephilim in Genesis 6-2. And it it's translated as giants in uh, Genesis. That probably means giants among men, the same way we have giants among men today in a figurative rather than a literal sense. There are a number of other ways that many of these things could be uh, resolved, but we're out of time. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.